Father God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that uh, you would just speak directly to our hearts. God, as I've prepared before you, I pray that you would speak through me today. In Jesus' name, amen. First Samuel 23. For those of you that are just joining us for the first time, either online or in person, we've been going through First Samuel since last summer. This is what we do, line by line. You can catch up, faithandvictory.com slash sermons. Here we go. First uh, Samuel 23, verse 1, it says, Then they told David, saying, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah. And they're robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, Look, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more when we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? And David inquired of the Lord once again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. Now it happened with Abathar, the son of Amalek, fled to David at Keilah, that he went down with the ephod in his hand. And Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand, for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David knew that Paul, excuse me, that Saul had plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, Bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then David said, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul and David had escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. <clears throat> What's going on in this story? Uh, again, if you're just joining us, Saul is the king of Israel. David is the soon-to-be king of Israel. And a lot of what's been happening in 1 Samuel is Saul chasing after David. And we're continuing with that same kind of theme that's going on here. Uh, the, the Philistines are the enemy of Israel, and they're fighting against Keilah, and so they're robbing the threshing floors. And so David asks God, and he says, should I attack this town? Should I save the town? And God says, yes. So David and his men come and the men come like, Hey, we're afraid. What should we do? And we're not even in the fight. And David goes and he asks God again. And God says, yes, go in and fight him. You're going to win. So they fight, they win. Keilah is delivered. There's one surviving priest from back a, a, a while ago in first Samuel where a bunch of priests were massacred. There's one left. He has an ephod. Saul finds out that David has won this battle. So he comes to attack David once again. David then goes to the priest and says, uh, should I go and fight Saul or should I run? And in the simplest of terms, God answers David and David runs from Saul, goes and hides. Saul finds out that David has left. And so then uh, the fight doesn't happen. Uh, the, the title of today's message is Make Good Decisions. And the reason why we titled it that is because when you look in this story, you see that David is a man that's making good decisions at, uh, through the hands of God alone. Do, do you make good decisions in your life? No. All right, good. This is going to be a great sermon for you guys. Like if, if you guys would have done the resounding yes, it would have gone a whole lot better. But you guys are like, oh my gosh, no. 
I know that a lot of times I don't make great decisions in my life uh, when I don't put them before God first. Uh, many years ago, uh, I was deployed to Egypt and uh, me and Crystal decided to buy a minivan. Uh, we, we had literally the dumbest decision we ever made financially that led to a bunch of dumb decisions. We had a paid off car, a 96 Mitsubishi Galant, and we traded in this car to finance a minivan and, and, and gave up this paid off car to have $50 less in payment. It was a double whammy. We never should have given up the, uh, uh, the paid off car. We also shouldn't have financed a car. I only speak about it this morning because it's for your benefit, but in our house it's called the car which shall not be named. <laughs> because we know that it was such a bad decision. So if, if you struggle in your decision making, this morning is going to be a crash course in godly decision making. Amen? Amen? So if you want to make good decisions, the first thing you have to do is this, is you have to always ask God first. Yes. If you want to make good decisions, always ask God first. David finds out what is happening in Keilah and he wants to get involved. And so David inquires of God. It says in verse 2, therefore David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I go and attack these Philistines? Verse 4, then David inquired of the Lord once again. See, what David knew and what you should know is that if you are going to make any decisions in your life, you have got to go before God before you go before anyone else. Because if God is not in it, it's not worth doing. And so David, even before, he sees this problem. Just because you see a problem doesn't mean it's your job to fix it. David sees this problem in the city and he says, these guys are robbing the threshing floor which is bad. These people are under siege, which is bad. It's good that David wants to go and help them, but what would be bad is if he doesn't inquire of the Lord first. He doesn't go to God and say, do you want God? What do you want us to do? There's a reason why he could write Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. See, David lived a life that was dependent on God, so he knew that when he called on God, God would answer him and tell him exactly what he needed to do. See, what David knew in this moment is that he could not win this fight without God. Earlier in the scripture, we saw him, you say, David and his men. David grabbed some of the most worthless, ragtag bunch of dudes you ever found. Remember, they were the broke, busted, and disgusted, the guys that were in debt and distressed. Remember those guys we talked about them? Now, these are the guys that he's, these are the guys I'm using? Like, this isn't the A-team here, folks. It's a bunch of, no one else would take us. But David knew if I'm going to go in and fight, if God's not with us, we're not going to be able to make it. And so what happens? Victory. Victory happens. Verse 5. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines, struck them with a mighty blow and took away their livestock. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. See, the Bible says in Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know, but you have to call on God. How can God show himself mighty if you're not calling on him? If you're only calling on yourself, no, you have to call on God. Uh, the, The only time that Israel was able to beat the Philistines in the Bible is when they called on God. If you would read your Bibles, you would see that the, that the curve of the story in the Old Testament is when you depend on God, good things happen. When you don't depend on God, bad things happen. Yeah. Every time Israel went to war with, with the Philistines and they were depending on God, they won. Surprise, when they didn't, they lost. Yeah. It's almost like God is trying to tell you something. <laughs> Maybe. 
God, if you're not in this, I'm not going. God, I'm not moving forward without you. Lord, I need your help. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face forevermore. What does it mean to you folks in your decision making? What is your first step? Planning or prayer? Do you you come up with your own plans and then lay them before God and say, God, I've been spending a lot of time coming up with a plan and now I'd like you to come alongside of me and bless this plan that I have. Or do you get an idea? Do you get a thought and then you go to God and you say, you know what, God, I've been making horrible decisions in my life. I've made it abundantly clear that without you, I make very bad decisions. So now, God, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to go before you and I'm going to ask you, God, is this your will? Is this your plan? Is this according to your word? Because I'm not going to do anything that you're not in. You follow your desires? I really want this. Are you making decisions based on your comfort? Well, this will make my life a whole lot easier. Is it your wants? Is it because you want to be vindicated? Is it because you want to alleviate the pain in your life? Or are you asking God, what do you want? Father, what are you to require? What's the best course of action for my life, God? Because that's the plan that I want to live on. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that we should pray without ceasing. And when we pray without ceasing, it's utter and complete dependence on God. Inquire of Him of all things. To say, God, what is it that you would have me to do in this moment? See, I've come to a point now in my parenting where I can say that I have really good kids. I really do. They're great kids. Uh, my son will be 19 next month. My daughter's 16. And they're a couple good trouts, man. They do good jobs. One of the things that that we've done with our children from the beginning of time is that we have created them to not make decisions without talking to mom and dad first. And, And some people would say, well, aren't we supposed to learn how to set them free? Hold on, friend. You can't set them free unless they've learned dependence first. And so throughout their whole entire life, I don't care if it was a cracker or, or whatever. It's like, dude, you, you better ask mom and dad before you move forward in this. See, when, when you build dependence on your kids, it teaches them safety because they know that somebody else is taking care of me. One day, Crystal and I will not be in their lives. They will be out on their own. And then they've already been trained. I need to depend on somebody else. Now I need to depend on God instead of depending on my earthly father. Safety breeds confidence. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, as adults, we can't be much different than children is that we need to be completely dependent on God in everything. And if you were were really honest with God and yourself, you would know that the worst decisions you made in your life is when you didn't inquire of God. You just went out and did it on your own and then you came here like, oh my gosh. Now, I'm not God, but if I was, I'd be at a point where I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of putting together your cracked pots. Just go to me first. I will save you a whole lot of time. I'll save you so much time if you just go to me first. Uh, Last month, man, I caught the frenzy. I almost bought a house. Um, I know. Like, you know, you guys have a bad day. You go eat donuts. I'm like, let's buy a car. Let's buy a house. You know, I just... And I caught it, man. I was, the fire was happening and man, we went, we looked at it and we, you know, signed a contract and we're going to get it. And then Sunday night happened and I was laying in bed at like 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, what am I doing? 
And the Lord just like, and, and Chris will tell you, I sleep easy. But I just couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning for like an hour. You know, I, I, was, I, was, I actually couldn't sleep so much. I physically got out of bed and was roaming around the house. My, my son was up and I went into his bedroom and sat on his bed and sought counsel from my 18-year-old son. You know? Yeah. And so... I, I, what's interesting, little side note, my son's getting into real estate and I'm talking to him about buying this house and he's literally talking me out of the house. And I like, and I was like, Gabe, you're going to not do well at real estate if you're talking people out of the house. But he said, he said, dad, you got to do what God wants. Like that's, uh, that's the most important thing because I'm not sure that this is something that God wants. And so I, I literally, I went back in and I, 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 on the bed, I was like, that's it. I'm not doing it. I'm walking away. I don't care if I lose money on the deal. I do not care. And then I went straight to bed. Total and complete peace. I'm not buying a, why would I buy a house. It's so dumb. Like I'm not, if you need a house, buy one. But like, I don't need one. Like I've got one. The really low payment from way back in the 2000s. You know what I mean? <laughs> Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Secondly, if you want to make good decisions, never step out on your own. Don't do that. Do not step out on your own. See, David asked God and he says, should I go and fight? He actually, he, he, he so desperately wants to know what God's will is. He actually asks him twice because he's fully dependent on God. Now, what we also see in this story, which is, you know, uh, uh, two different sides of the coin, <clears throat> David fully asking God, Saul never asks God. And you can see it in the scripture. It says, David inquired of the Lord. And then it says, and Saul goes to his troops and says, Hey, God said, we're going to get David here. We're going to go down. We're going to win this fight. It never says that Saul inquired of God. It just says that he told his men that God told them. He lies to his troops and says, God has delivered him. So Saul said, God has delivered him into my hand for he has shut himself in by entering a town which has gates and bars. Then Saul called all the people together for war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. But he never inquired to the Lord what he should be doing and how he should do it. He just went out, he went rogue. He went whatever he wanted to do. This is not good. You, you cannot believe that you're going to step out and, and act as king of Israel without inquiring of God first. If Saul had asked God, he would have known the truth. If Saul would have gone to God and said, God, I know I'm currently the king of Israel, but there's this guy that I want to kill. Do you believe that I should go down there and kill him? Right. God would say, no, this guy's the heir apparent. He's going to be king of Israel. I don't want you to kill him. I want you to make him king and quit trying to kill him. That's what God would have said to him. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 26, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. And this is what we see right here. If, it, if you're looking at the difference between a man that trusts God and a man that doesn't trust God, this is a perfect example. The man that does trust God gets victory. The man that doesn't trust God is going to look like a fool. Spoiler alert, I don't mean to ruin the story for you, but Saul's life does not end well. Yeah. Does not end well. First Chronicles ten fourteen. But he, Saul, did not inquire of the Lord. Therefore, he killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. See, Saul assumed in his brokenness just because he held positional leadership that God was with him. Come on. 
He didn't continue to, to, to ask God and depend on God. He was, he was living in the past and thinking, you know what? I don't need to ask God. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I've been serving God for 20, 30, 40 years. Yeah. I can do whatever I want and I can move forward. No, 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 Saul. Saul was removed and destroyed because of his disobedience. Think, think about that, folks. If God would do that to one of his kings with worthless people like us, like what would he do to us? Man, what does it mean to you? What areas of your life are you not moving? What, what areas of your life are you moving forward without inquiring of God? What areas of your life? See, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it is the way of death. Then I'm going to step on some spiritual toes this morning. If I do, praise God. Come on. <laughs> I've been serving God for almost 30 years. I've been pastoring for 16 years. And I could build a house of bricks with all the times that somebody said to me, God told me. And then what was very interesting about these people is that, that they, will, they will go and they will say, well, God told me. And it'll start, they'll say, well, God told me. And then time will pass. And then they'll get to this place where it's uncomfortable, it's painful, it's not good. And then they're like, wow, it's interesting. God told me something completely different. Now I don't have to do this, which God told me. There's really only one, there's only a couple options here. Either God didn't tell you. Or you didn't hear of God and you were lying. Which one was it? But what happens is that people will say, and this is the part that just baffles me and bothers me and just, is that people want to be spiritually manipulative and use the God told me line. It's one of the worst things that Christians do. They're like, hey, I'm going to make the worst decision possible. But what I'm going to tell people is God told me because if I say that, then they can't challenge me on it. It's the big push off. But then they get to this point and they may have forgot, but I'm a pastor. And so if somebody says, God told me, I'm like, well, I'm going to filter this through. Like, I want to make sure. Big time passes over here. Like, you know what God said? Interestingly enough, the guy that created the universe changed his mind to make it easier on me. It's great. Interestingly enough, typically the people that are at this end of the God told me spectrum are the most rebellious, disobedient, can't even do the basics of Christianity type of people. That want to say God told... You're rebellious, you're disobedient, you're not walking with God. But somehow the creator of the universe is speaking directly to you. It's really curious to me. Because like... And and if you watch the way that I pastor and the way that I leave, I do not wield the God told me sword. I don't do that, man. Because I don't want to stand before God. How spiritually manipulative would it be of me as your pastor to stand up here and say, God, I'll tell you what God told you. He told you in his word, man. If I'm going to say God told me, I'm going to tell, it's going to be directly from scripture. Do you know what God told me? God told me that people that, that, that seem that it's right in their own mind is the way is to death. You know what God told me? God told me that he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. That's what God told me. God told me whoever walks wisely will be delivered. You know what God told me? God told me, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Waiting on God is a greater chance of success than doing it your own way. Just sit and wait, man. People say, what are you waiting on? I'm waiting on God. I don't want to go anywhere without my father. I don't want to go anywhere without my God. I am waiting on him. Because here's the truth, folks. God told me in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
You know what you can trust? You can trust God and his word. It's usually not your feelings. It's usually his word. People don't want to trust. Well, you know, for some reason, I feel like God is making an extra provision in my case. I know it's completely contrary to God's word, but somehow God made it different for me. No. Romans 8, 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, or indeed can it be. The carnal mind wants what it wants. You want to want what God wants. Do not step out on your own. Third point is this. You always want to depend on God. Always. Here's what I love about this story. Is that David had already inquired once to God. He had already won. But David shows that he depends on God. When times get difficult, what does he do? He goes back to God. Now, now this is very different from a lot of people because most people, if they had experienced victory and then another challenge comes up, they're like, well, I went to God last time. He gave me victory. I kind of know what I'm doing at this point. Like, no, no. He goes down. He fights in the city after he inquires of God. He experiences victory, finds out that Saul is after him. And he's like, wow, another problem. I think I'm going to go back to God again. I think I'm going to go back and see what God wants. Verse 9, when David knew that Saul plotted evil against him, he said to Abathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord God of Israel, your servant has certainly heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord God of Israel, I pray, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. And David said, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver you. So David and his men, about 600, rose and departed. That's exactly what they do. Why? Because he wanted to depend on God. Psalm 34.10, the young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. David was going to seek God and his plan and his purpose, whatever God wanted. Now, let me explain to you a little bit about this story is that uh, he goes before the, the priest. There's one priest left. And he's got this thing called the ephod. The ephod is they would hang this uh, breastplate on their chest. that have all these stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. There'd be two stones called the ermine and the thuman. And, and these stones were, uh, they were um, like oracles. They were a way in which ancient Israel would make decisions. Only the priest could use these stones, not a king or anybody else. And so they would take these stones and then they would ask questions of God. And then the way that the light would hit them would kind kind of go over and then they'd discern a yes or no answer from God with the stones. And so that's what David's doing in this moment is he goes to the, the priest and goes, Hey, wait, I got a decision. You've got an ephod, right? Why don't you just give me, give me exactly what I need to do. And so the ephod uh, in that moment is the way that God speaks. And God says, don't go like David, you're going to lose. Like think about this. David had gone and fought for Keilah. And then he asked God, now that I've won for them, are they going to be the ones that offer me up to Saul? And God's like, yep, they're going to help you get destroyed by Saul. I'd get out of that city if I were you. So David listens. See, when you're looking in your own life, you say, well, man, how do I make good biblical decisions? The first step is to go to the word. Like the first step is to go to the word. And and I understand that like there's things that are outside of the purview of God's word. But but like take, for example, the house, right? I didn't go to God. I know it might be surprising to you that your pastor wouldn't go to God for everything, but... Whatever. You guys are perfect. Start a church. All right. Um, if, if, if I had gone to the word first, the, the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. Right? That's what the word says. 
So why would it make sense to put extra shackles of debt on me? It like doesn't make sense. Like, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm just going to go simply by what God's word says, right? I mean, if I was being real honest, I don't like to be, but you know, stuff like that where you know you just maybe don't like what you drive or where you live, and so you're like, I want to have a better house. I'm envious of somebody else that got more grass than I got. You guys probably aren't like that. You guys are like, I just pray for them and bless them as I drive by. <laughs> Me, I fall into greed and envy sometimes. You guys probably don't. It's fine. So God says greed and envy are bad. So what's your decision making from? Is it because you want to bless yourself? You want to bless other people? I'm like, dang it, this is all in the word. I don't even need to talk to anybody about it. But maybe there's stuff that's maybe outside of the, the God's direct word. So do you know what you do after you do that? You pray and you ask God and say, God, will you tell me? And then if you feel like you've heard from God, then, and this is the step that most people really struggle with, is that go to somebody who actually is following Jesus. Not, not like one of your broken friends at work that hates God and say, you know what, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And they're like, oh, yeah, sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Go, go to people that have been serving God longer than a weekend, that, that, that know God and his word and have shown by their life that they make good decisions, and then ask them. Ask like three or four of them. Yes. Say, man, what do you think? Do you think this is of God? And they're like, no, this is not of God. Just lean on that side. Just be like, well, I talked to four great couples that love God and live according to his word. Every single one of them said this was a horrible decision. And so I'm just not going to do it. I'm just going to trust God on this one. And people say, well, it's your own life. You can do it. It is not your own life. You were bought with a price. Follow Jesus. Follow his word. Saul should have known Deuteronomy 28.1. Deuteronomy 28.1. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. Diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully most of his commandments, which I command you today. That the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Follow all the commandments. What does it mean to you? Folks, you may be of inquiring of God in some areas, but is your relationship with God only as close as your last need? Like, do you, do you only go to God when you need something? Like, are you dependent on him to just get you through today? Like, you're saying, God, feed me today. Take care of me today. Watch out for me today. God, I, I want to live in dependence of you. I want to be totally and completely in your will. David shows his dependence here. He, he could have moved in his own direction. No. He says, God, I'm not going to depend on my last victory. I want to depend on you. I don't care that I won. I don't care that I was able to do it. I care that I'm dependent on you, God, because if I'm not going to be in your will, I don't want to do it. Matthew six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. If you're, if you're ever wondering what, I, what we're doing here, and people, you know, they come to faith and victory and like, man, that bald-headed dude sure screams at us a lot. Like, I so emphatically want you to serve God, man. Just fully submitted in every area of your life. It will solve all of your problems. Just fully submit to God in every area of your life. 
Go before God in everything. Be completely dependent on Him. Don't, don't move anywhere, do anything, do anything without asking Jesus first. Because here's what happens. People say, well, you know, those Christians are so weak and, you know, they've got mind control. Yes, my mind is controlled by the Spirit. I'm a robot. I just follow what He asks me to do. I just depend on Him in everything. Why? Because the God of this universe wants other people to serve him and so i display a life that's fully dependent on god so when people look at me they're like why would a guy like that follow a god that he can't see but wow his life is blessed his life has changed there must be a god i'm I'm man enough to admit to another man like you man i don't do nothing without uh, asking god first man i want to live for god in every area of my life the bible says in psalm 46 1 that god is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble who is your refuge is it your own ideas is it your own plans who's your strength there's never a time in your walk where you're supposed to be on your own i don't care how old you are i don't care you've been serving god for 50 years there's not a time you check the box and like well i don't have to inquire of god anymore God has created you to be 100% dependent on Him forever. Yes. Now, many of you guys remember um, Crystal and I used to have a uh, ranger, our dog. Yes. Best dog ever. Amen. Better than your dog. He was best. <laughs> he was a big yellow lab. He weighed like 90 pounds. Oh, I loved him. He was such a, he was such a good dog. And um, there's a lot of things. That we, we haven't had a dog for a couple years. And honestly, I don't know if we're going to go. We did the dog thing. Um, uh, there's a few things that I miss. One of the things I really miss is that when you drop food on the floor in the kitchen, you just go like that and they just run in. Like I don't have to bend at the waist and pick stuff up. <laughs> but, but, but one of the things about dogs, if you have one, you've seen one on television, dogs are completely dependent on their owners. Like he was like, he would bark at people through the window, like raw, 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 raw. You big, tough guy, right? You put that guy out in the woods, he wouldn't last a day, <laughs> right? Like he, first day he'd be like, uh, where's my food? No kibble out here in the woods? No, every day he would wake up and he'd be like, we going for a ride? We going for a walk? You going to feed me? We going outside? What are we doing? He never fit. The whole time, he never fed himself one time. That's why... That's why... That's why I loved having a dog, because dogs teach you how to be dependent on God. Dog spelled backwards is God. Just be a dog, man. Just go to God every single day and be like, we going outside? We going for a walk? Can I have some kibble? We going to eat? Yeah, like most of you do a whole lot better. Just be like, what should I be today? I'm going to be a dog. Can't do anything on your own. We put you out in the woods. You ain't going to make it. Make good decisions. Stay dependent on God. Here's, here's the last and final point. And this will be your favorite one of today. Do what God says. Oh my gosh, like there's so many people that say that they're Christians, say they love God, say they love his word, and then there's clear direction from God in the scriptures and they go the complete opposite direction. And then they want to say, well, I'm just a follower of Jesus. So David goes to God, he asks the the Urim and the Thummim and he gets an answer and what does he do? He goes to God, goes to the priest, asks the rocks, the rocks speak, And then he does what he 
finds out. The the rocks didn't say, don't go into the city. And he goes, I'm not sure that was really God. Let's let's take these 600 men and we're going to go down to this city and we're going to fight these guys. I know the priest said and the the, the oracle said, but I'm going to do things my own way. No way. Not at all. David went and followed God. He went the way of God. David is obedient to God. He had already experienced victory in your life. Why, why is it that you see victory in your life when you follow God and then the next thing comes up and then you for somehow think like, well, maybe following God wouldn't be the best plan. No, you saw victory last time, so why don't you follow God this time around? Past victory didn't mean future success. Past victory did not mean future success. Before he could fight and win... He had to go before God. And God says, get out of town. So what does he do? Get out of town. Verse 13. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they would go. Victory always happens in obedience. David listened. He didn't fight Saul. He had victory because he obeyed. This is a very simple plan to victory. If you look in the Bible in Psalm 119.60, it says, I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. David was an Israelite. He knew the stories. He knew the stories of Israel. The story of Israel was very simple. God speaks. They're obedient. They flourish. They stop being obedient. They fall in disrepair. They come back to God. God speaks. Then they're obedient. Then they experience, like that's the whole cycle of Israel. Obedience always produces victory every single time. Are you doing what God asks of you? Not just in specific requests, but in the general terms, what is revealed in the clear word of God. Exodus 19.5 Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for the earth is mine. Folks, God demands obedience. If you have no intentions of following, why would you even waste his time to ask him? If you're going to do things your own way, just go, go do that. But quit telling people, well, I'm a Christian, but I just live however I want. No way. Jesus showed us obedience. He showed us obedience. He went to the cross. The Bible says that Jesus was obedient to the point of death. Don't don't say, well, I'm being obedient in this area of my life, but it's kind of uncomfortable. Well, you haven't reached Jesus status yet. You haven't been obedient to death because you're still flapping talking about it. Philippians 2.8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even death on the cross. That was the measure of Christ's uh, resolve. He said, I'm going to be obedient to the point of death. And, and, and here's where it starts to get interesting. Because people will say things to me. And they'll say, well, you know, well, you always talk about obedience. I'm not saved by my obedience. And you're not. But people say, well, I'm under grace. And I don't have to obey. But you have to obey grace. Did you catch that? You mopping up what I'm spilling? Grace is of God, and you must submit to grace in obedience. If God says by, that, that, that you're saved by grace and not of your own works so that no man should boast, you have to be obedient to that. Obedience is a belief that follows in an action that says, you know what? God says that I'm saved by Jesus Christ and his blood, so I'm going to be obedient to that and say, do you know what? I've been set free from the law of sin and death. I'm not held accountable to my past. I know that I'm saved because God's word says that I'm saved, and I'm going to be obedient to it. 
You are saved because the Bible says that you are, not because you feel like you're saved. You are forgiven because the Bible says that you're forgiven, not because you feel like you're forgiven. And that's what obedience is. Obedience is, I'm going to follow what God's word says, regardless of how I feel. Whether it be in action, or whether it be simply in belief. You've got to be obedient to God if you want to make good decisions. Luke 6, 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Why do you do that? Let me, I'm going to... I'm going to say one more scripture here just because I'm the spirit. All right. Because people, people seem to forget, like, there's a whole Bible. You've got to read this thing in context. So good. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Right? That's what it says. Wait, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for, watch this, good works, which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Grace, uh, obedient grace is still grace. Still grace. I am going to get to the point. Honey, I love you. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Quit laughing. Be obedient. Don't miss this moment. I know the Holy Spirit spoke to you this morning. Something. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, I want you to give your life to him today. Don't, don't miss what the Holy Spirit already spoke to you. If, you. if you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to give your life to him today, I want you to make that decision. And, and it's really quite easy. Either you are a Christian or you're not. Either you're following Jesus or you're not. Either you've given your life to him or you haven't. And the Bible says that you have to, you have to come to him in faith. You have to turn away from your sins and give your heart toward, give your heart to him, ask to be forgiven and live for him. Now, if you're ready to do that for the very first time, we want to pray with you today. I want you to make that decision. Raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? Hand held high. We want to pray with you. Secondly, maybe, you, uh, maybe you've been far from God. When I say far from God, I don't mean like, oh, it's been a bad couple months. You were walking with God. You knew the truth. And it's been years, years since you've been with Jesus. And yet today, you're ready to come back. You're ready to come back. If you need to come back to Jesus today, we want to pray with you as well. Would you raise your hand and say, I'm ready to come back to Jesus? So everybody needs to do that for the first time. I see your hand. Anybody else? Call out to him today. Lord, receive me. Lord, forgive me. And he will bring you back. Father, we submit to your will this morning. God, we want to make good decisions and line up with your word and your will. Father, we don't want to live our lives any other way except for you and you alone. Father, we give you our lives this morning in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Thank you for that.